what's up, everybody? This is Maggie Reichardt, and you are listening to Nursing Uncharted, the podcast that talks about all different types of nursing and seeks uncharted conversations within your nursing practice. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I'm so glad that you tuned in to today specifically um, because we are ending our season today with a really special episode and it's going to be part of kind of like a two-part uh, series where we are talking about building resilience. So we're going to end our season today talking about resilience and then we're going to start um, season three of the year talking about building resilience as well. And I don't know how long this episode is going to be because I think we could have a whole podcast on talking about building resilience. Um, you know, it's a topic that is long overdue uh, on our podcast here and something that we all need to learn, you know, how to build in order to stay healthy and keep us in this profession. You know, we talk a lot on this podcast about moving to different jobs to figure out what serves you best. And I will die on that hill. You know, I think that we are never chained to one place. And if it's toxic and not serving you, then moving to a different job could be, you know, what you need to revitalize yourself. But there is something really powerful to be said about equipping yourself with the tools to recharge and work through the stress that we endure and, you know, help strengthen us and the nurses around us strengthen our units that we're currently on. Uh, and we don't talk about that enough on here. So I'm floored to have two amazing women over the next two episodes share what they know and how we can improve our own health. So here to talk about, start this conversation is licensed clinical social worker, Jen Barnes. Jen is a licensed independent clinical social worker in private practice in Minneapolis, Minnesota. She specializes in complex trauma, PTSD, stress, and grief. As the daughter and sister of nurses, she has a passion for empowering nurses to build resilience. She's worked with nurses one-on-one, -on -one, hoping to expand her reach to a larger community of nurses. In 2021, she completed the Dare to Lead certificate program in order to more effectively address organizational challenges in healthcare. More recently, she spoke at the American Association of Critical Care Nurses 2022 NTI conference on building resilience in nursing, which is where I met her. And we had great conversations about building resilience in the hospital, and I couldn't wait to have her on the show. So, Jen, welcome to the show. Yay. Hi, Maggie. It's uh, Thank you for having me. It's such an honor to be here. Yeah, absolutely. I, I remember we met just kind of you know, randomly at the expo totally and randomly <laughs> and, you know, we just started chatting and you're like, yeah, I, I, you know, I'm working with nurses on building resilience. I just did a talk and I was like, this is a golden ticket for me. I need to have her on the podcast because so many people, you know, we all, nobody knows how to, you know, work on themselves. It's just not something that we're taught. I feel like. No, no one's taught that. And my understanding is nursing school doesn't really go over it the way social work school does. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm sure. I'm sure. <laughs> I mean, yeah. there's so much. Yeah, it's all clinical based. You know, it's all like yeah. these are the you, they it's, you know, thinking about equipping yourself and strengthening yourself is just not not something that we that we think about or, not you know, mentioned. maybe. Yeah. Maybe now. I, I wonder yeah. if if like COVID now, had kind yeah. of had that like effect on nursing schools, that'd be interesting to yeah. ask. Yeah. Yeah. I do have a, a old high school friend who's a professor um, 
in a local university here. And she was talking about having me speak because they are working on that a little more now in nursing school, at least at that university. So you never know, maybe it's, yeah. maybe things are shifting to help support nurses more. Yeah. Know? Right. I think that, I mean, it's something that we can't blindside nurses that are coming into this profession where everybody's leaving, right. you know, it's not, it's, it's right. Yeah. Well, and, and two, I think it's, I mean, it's important to name that yes, yeah. the systems are broken um, and yes, you know, nurses can benefit from building resilience, but I think it's important to name that that doesn't mean it's nurses fault. Yeah. Right. It's, you know, if you're working in a tough system, it's not like, oh, well, it's your fault. You're burned out. You know, like it's not yeah. that at all. It's just like, Hey, you're in this system. That's really can be really toxic to work in and not always toxic, but sometimes just incredibly stressful. And so it's, mm -hmm. you know, it's helping people work through that in whatever way works for them, yeah. right? Whether that's staying or leaving, um, our bodies still need that support. Yeah. So that's so true. The fact that, you know, we kind of wrongly put so much on ourselves that it's up to us to fix our units and it's up to us to help with staffing. And that's just because yeah. there's a loyalty to your unit when you're a permanent nurse yeah. that, that is so, I don't know, it just gets ingrained that you take on this responsibility um, and it's, it weighs you down for sure. Yeah. It sounds like in some ways it could be really special and cool. Um, at least what I witnessed with my mom mm. and sister, but on the other hand, you know, I never thought about that, how it would then, I don't want to use the word trap you, but um, <laughs> make you feel m more obligation to wade through something yeah. that may or may not be yeah. fixable. You know, sometimes it is, mm. um, you know, sometimes it's something you can cope with and sometimes it's like, no, you know, and then that makes for some really hard goodbyes. Yeah. I know the first job that I left was the hardest job to leave for sure. I mean, I was there, I think for two and a half, I was only there, for, you know, two and a half years, but, um, I was going to travel, but my, I put so many eggs in that basket and I put so much emphasis on bettering that unit and, you know, being a leader on that unit and precepting people. And, you know, you think, you know, what's going to happen mm. when I'm gone, you know, are they going to be okay? You know, it's just, and then after that, I became a traveler where I left every three months and I feel like I kind of left that, <laughs> that mentality. Right. <laughs> yeah. I suppose you don't have the same sense yeah. of loyalty. Right. But I think <laughs> it, it, now that I'm in a permanent position and I've been here for a, a year now, um, I think I have a, a little bit more of a healthier uh, boundary in that way. Like I want to help the unit, but I'm not going to pick up extra shifts all the time or, you know, just kind right. of, I think traveling kind of helped bridge that gap in that way. I really like that, Maggie. One of the things, certainly growing up with a nurse, but then also, you know, my sister's a nurse, my mom's friends are nurses. And one of the things that I, I witnessed, and this isn't just nurses, this is a lot of women, but especially women in healthcare. Um, mm -hmm. But it seems to fall heavy on nurses. Um, I'm not sure, you know, if it's that you're just born caring types or there's something about you that was ingrained that you always have to put others first. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it's interesting that you use that word boundaries because 
you know, what I, what I've noticed with the nurses I work one-on-one with and what I've heard from the nurses I know more personally is that like, they, they'll just keep asking. They'll keep asking because they have slots to fill. They have patients to be cared for. Yeah. They're not thinking like, oh, is Maggie, like, how's her stress level? Should I ask her to fill this shift? Yeah. Or, I mean, maybe her stress, you know? And so like, it sucks, but it's really up, you know, I'm, I'm glad you see it. It's really up to you to say, I can't. And, and that can be heartbreaking, mm-hmm. I would think sometimes. It really, it really is. I remember, yeah, one job when you would just get constant texts, like we're short, yeah. you know, if anybody can pick up and you always like have that little bit of like, you know, should I? And it's like, then you have to bargain between like, what do you need? And you know that the host, the unit is suffering and you're choosing yourself over. It's a difficult thing to do for maybe it's just a nursing, you know. Yeah, we don't put ourselves first. We put everybody else first. That's just kind of what we're, you know, we're there to serve. You're there, you know, there's this idea yep. in nursing that you're you're there to serve others. And, you know, there's no emphasis yeah. and no room to kind of just serve yourself in that moment. And it's okay to be like, no, I can't, I can't, I can't do that. Do you think that narrative is changing at all around like, because what we know is like when, when people don't put themselves first, um, especially, especially nurses, there can be consequences for that actually when, when nurses aren't caring for themselves, um, like, Mm -hmm. like errors and that's not the nurse's fault, right? There's like all this pressure, right? But like, yeah, but like, um, you know, like kind of in the larger community, if anyone follows like Brene Brown or, you know, Glennon Doyle or anyone like that, um, yeah. there are a lot of conversations and a lot of Brene's research is like, you know, the most compassionate people are the most boundary conscious people because then you don't mm. end up building up resentment or when you say yes, when you mean yes and no, when you mean no, then you're able to fully be present when you're saying yeah. yes and then, and instead of being resentful and saying, all right, sure. You yeah. Know? And, um, I just wonder if that narrative is slipping into the nursing profession at all, or, cause that's something I'm trying to like make sure is shifting into the nursing profession. <laughs> cause cause well, I, I just see how it gets taken advantage of that. You're all so kind and caring, you know? Yeah. I think that it's because of conversations like this that okay. it's starting to shift. I honestly do because That's I cool. there there is so much more talk I think now and everybody has more of an interest in understanding themselves and like looking introspectively I think mm-hmm. as a culture yeah. you know like uh, our new generation that's more of something you know that we're that we're interested in and I so I I think that they it is becoming more yeah. you know I mean we're certainly seeing so much of a you know a riff there where you're you're hearing things from Brene Brown or or these other influencers like telling you to take care of yourself and then you're met with this job that's you know constantly just pulling things from you so I think there is like something's got to give yeah right well it's the whole you can't serve from an empty cup right like and it's just really hard and I mean if you're depleted and exhausted, first of all, it's really hard to be compassionate. I don't know about you, but um, I was telling you earlier, I took today mm-hmm. off because 
as soon as I notice, I'm like, oh, maybe I'll have some no-shows. I'm like, oh, but I love my clients. So if I'm hoping for no-shows, that means I need a break. Because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> like, it's not their fault that I want them to not right. That's so <laughs> like, sorry, clients, if you're listening. That's but such like- <laughs> a great thing to like be aware in yourself. Like, I am not going to serve other people well today. You know, like that's and that's something that's okay no. to identify and be, you know, make that decision yeah. to, you know, yeah. Yeah. not go into work that day. Like some people, it's okay to have like a mental health day. It's, it's, it's so okay and needed. Yeah. You know, and, and the stakes are, I don't want to say higher for nurses, but kind of in some ways they are like, if I make a mistake, sure. It, it, well, I mean, if someone's suicidal, that's different, mm-hmm. but like most of my th- therapy clients, if I make a mistake or I maybe not quite as compassionate as usual, it's not great for them, but it's not going to like yeah. risk their life. Whereas like with nurses, if, if you're exhausted and overworked and just not able to offer care, then it's like the stakes yeah. are so high, like with a medical error. I mean, at least that's what it looks like from well, where I sit. I don't know. Sometimes you're, you are, I mean, you're working with people in the worst times of their lives and they are depressed and negative energy right. just pulling out of them and irritable. Irritable. And sometimes, so the other day I had, um, I was working with somebody that, um, he had a lot going on. He had, uh, I think, uh, infections, kind of all little pockets of infections, and they kept like coming up. And he was on a bunch of antibiotics, and he had been in the hospital mm. for a really long time, like over a month. And, um, you know, we were supposed to go for oh. a CT scan that night, and I got nothing about his uh, headspace in report. You know, I I didn't we were like, okay, we're going for a CT scan. It was me and my, my orientee. And we walk in and he is in such a negative headspace. He was like, I want to go home and die. I want to, he was like, I don't want to do this anymore. I don't want to like have the CT scan. I'm, you know, and I was, I was, I had to, I think I was, I was in a good place that day to be able to be there for him in that moment to be able to sit and listen he also couldn't talk he like so he could only mouth and so I you know I sat there with him and like you know figured out what he was trying to say and then like coordinated with the team but if you don't have the patience or the time or the energy which this man had been here for over a month doing these things like how many nurses had he gone through before somebody actually sat and was Poor able guy. to like have the capacity to, you know, work through some of these things with him? Right. And it just goes to, you know, and I may have not an, a different day if I was really burned out. Like I may not have been able to like sit down and really talk through all of those things with him. And I think ultimately we ended up having a conversation with the team about goals of care and like what he really wants out of this. Um, oh, you that's know. so beautiful. But it it's, it really, it speaks to, you know, what your capacity is that, that day. And if you don't have a full cup or half a cup, 
You know, how can you, how can you give to, it really, it affects patients in that way where they don't have somebody to, you know, advocate for them or, you know, because you just, you just, you, there's no room in your (laughs) psyche to do that for somebody else. Right. Cause they're not your own patients. Yeah. (laughs) You know, so, so it's, yeah, that it's a lot. Yeah. You know, as you were talking, Maggie, I was thinking about it and I was like, you know, so I see about like six or seven clients a day mm-hmm. usually, um, you know, for, for an hour. And, and certainly I, uh, cause I'm a trauma counselor or trauma therapist. I definitely like, you know, hear the, yeah. the heavy days, like client after client. And, um, I was thinking about like, wow, you probably are in a similar amount of emotional headspace, like just taking on, I don't want to say the burden because I never want my clients to feel like a burden. And I, you know, I don't like that language, but like just yeah. taking on the heaviness from other people. Right. And, and one of the things that's emphasized in therapist school, like in every class we take, mm. take care of yourself first, take care of yourself first, take care of yourself first. So that in order to like even do what I do, which is a little different, but mentally, emotionally, sounds like there's some similarities even. Um, but, but y'all aren't taught that. And so for me, I'm like, everyone's like, how do you do what you do? And I'm yeah. like, well, I take really good care of myself. Like I have to, you know, and that's even when I, like when I was working in community mental health and I was seeing like 45 yeah. clients a week, that's, that's really high, right? Like 26 a week that's- is high right? Like 45 is yeah. insane. Right. Um, and that's, but that's what happens in community mental health. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and so I kind of liken that to yeah. like COVID and, and I'm just thinking about mm-hmm. like the only thing that got me through that was my self-care routine, you know, and it's just yeah. not, it's something that, that nurses aren't taught. And in fact, it's, you know, it's, it's not reinforced in your workplaces to do that. You know, like I, I, I once got yelled at by a supervisor. He's like, "Mm, this was a different place that was healthier. He's like, Oh, you know what? You saw six clients back to back today. That's not okay. You need to have more space in between. And I was like, what? Cause I just come from that other place. But like, I'm sure the nurses are rolling their eyes. They're like, Oh, must be nice. You know, but like, seriously, like, like that was the only workplace I've ever had that that's done that. And I, I, I just, yeah, you know, I think it, yeah, I think about that. It's really, it's, it's really refreshing to, you know, have workplaces that are, that are, you know, understanding of just like implementing little, little practices like that little, you know, cultural things, because you don't know, what an environment is like until you like move into a healthier environment. Uh huh. Like my, um, the job that I'm in now, we have a 45 minute lunch break and normally oh. we have 30 normally at every other job. It's so been 30, lovely. but the manager was like, well, most of the time, nobody takes a 15 minute break. So just put it in with the lunch break and it's 45 minutes. Got it. And I eat like a hyena (laughs) I mean I've been trained to eat like in 15 Uh minutes 
but it's been so nice to be able to like eat and then have that extra time to just sit and not worry, you know, that I have to be anywhere else or, you know, I just, or just even go outside and go for yeah, a walk. Yeah. I mean, I never do that, but you're allowed to leave. I, don't... Yeah. <laughs> I should, but I, I could, <laughs> I'm, not ta- I'm not telling you what to do. I'm just saying there's options, yeah. right? Yeah, like... you absolutely could. And it just gives you, yeah, gives you options, gives you, you know, you could stretch, you could in, in that time, you could just be in silence or be on your phone or listening to music. Just, just to give you that extra, you know, space. It's, it's, yeah. That's great. So what are some tools, what are some types of practices that we can implement in our daily lives to prevent, you know, to build our resilience? We'll be right back to our interview. Grab a cup of coffee, but don't go anywhere because we want to talk to you about our podcast partner, American Mobile. No matter your specialty, American Mobile has endless travel nursing opportunities. With the largest clinical team of all staffing agencies, American Mobile is ready to support you in achieving your career goals. To learn more about the benefits of American Mobile, like higher earning potential, premium health coverage, and 401k matching, make sure to visit AmericanMobile.com to speak with a recruiter. Again, visit AmericanMobile.com to discover your next travel nursing adventure. Now back to the show. Well, so the first thing I, I should talk about, actually, Maggie, just real quick, just to backtrack from that, because that's important. Um, but mm-hmm. what's also important and kind of primary, um, mm-hmm. what happens is, is when we have the level of stress that nurses have now, and and mm-hmm. like I had when I was working in community mental health, um, we often are in our fight or flight response right? We get triggered into yeah. our fight or flight response. And so you'll feel, and that can, you know, I, this may be a little brief A&P review. So for nurses who just had it, hang, hang, hang in there, you know, but, <laughs> <laughs> but it has been a while, you know, when, when that fight or flight response kicks in, it's a, per, there's a perceived threat, right? Yeah. And our bodies don't know the difference between a tiger chasing us and a grumpy patient. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And I'm not talking about the violent patient. Like that's more like the tiger, but like, but like, just yeah. like, you know, um, but the, the endorphin, like the, you know, the cortisol, and adrenaline and noradrenaline yeah. still comes into the body. Mm-hmm. And so like that energy was created to give us enough to be able to fight or flee. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and then, I mean, continuing with the review. So I just get it out of the way. (laughs) If it's like, oh yeah, there's no way I'm going to be able to get out of this dangerous situation. Then we shut down, Mm -hmm. you know, much like a gazelle being chased like a cheetah. You'll see them. If you ever watch it, it's really sad actually, but like they realize they're not going to be able to outrun the cheetah. Yeah. So they like fall over and play dead is what it's called in the animal kingdom. Mm. And they go into that shutdown mode, which is called the dorsal vagal response. Okay. Emotional pain, physical pain, all those things um, are numbed out. Yeah. So that shutdown response is a place of numbing, depression, disconnect, dissociation, things like that, right? Like mm-hmm. not feeling in your body. Mm-hmm. And what happens a lot or when we're chronically stressed is people end up, especially traumatic stress, which I think it's fair to say most nurses have really had exposure to a lot of traumatic stress yeah. in the last two and a yeah. half years. 
Absolutely. You know, at least then. Yeah. So then what happens is in that chronic state of traumatic stress, you're bouncing back and forth between the two. Hyperarousal, hypoarousal, fight or flight, shut down, fight or flight, shut down. Yeah. And so that's why you'll see the ah, at work yeah. or feel it. And then the collapsing on the couch when you get nothing. home. Yeah. Oh my God. That's and then so true. It's so true. So the anecdote for this <laughs> is completing the stress response. And this mm. comes from Peter Levine. So if people like to read uh, Waking the Invisible Tiger, I think is his book. You can, you know, whatever. But, but what he talks about is, and we see animals in the wild do this, is when they're not able to complete the fight or flight response, when they're not able to use that energy to fight or flee, then as soon as the threat goes away, they get up and they shake mm. it off. They, they run or they fight like they're fighting with the thing in front of them. Mm. Um, he's looked at this with polar bears. It's actually fascinating. Wow. Um, but they complete, they use the energy up by completing the stress yeah. response. But what do humans do? We just, you know, go on our phones and go to sleep and binge watch TV and then... And we yeah, sit. Right. You just sit down. Yeah, you're exhausted. You just like lay on the couch. Because you're so exhausted. You're like, yeah. yeah, right. I'm supposed to go for a walk? Okay, Jen. Yeah, I'll get on yeah. that. Like- <laughs> yeah. So true. But the thing is, yeah, but the thing is, is to feel better, we've got to complete the the fight or flight response. So we use up that mm-hmm. energy. Otherwise it gets stuck yeah. in the body. And that's part of why everyone feels so awful. Yeah. Um, it's kind of like, I, I'm thinking nowadays, probably they talk about this more in nursing school is the connection be- between stress and um, physical health and the connection between emotional, mental well-being and physical health. Sure. Yeah. This is one way that, that, if this isn't addressed, this will happen. Like medical, yeah. uh, mental health issues aren't addressed, or if just even the stress isn't dealt with, then medical problems will start to happen. Or you know, yeah. back aches, stomach aches, IBS, um, sometimes even cancer if it's long enough. Yeah. There's a book called The Body Keeps Score. Yep, by Have Bessel you... van der Kolk. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 Was... I mean, just mind blowing to be like, yeah, I mean, your body remembers, your body remembers all of the, all of the stressors. And if you don't release it, it can turn into inflammatory, you know, diseases. It's absolutely what happens. Autoimmune conditions for sure. Lots of them, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know? And so the cool thing is, is there's ways that aren't hard and not like profound actually that can complete that stress response. So movement is the first one. Right. Cause like, that's what mm-hmm. the energy's for. Yeah. And so like 30 minutes a day is ideal. So like, I realize there's some people going, Oh my gosh, no way, no way. I could never do that. Um, I'm not suggesting people start 30 minutes tomorrow. Right. Anytime we start a new habit, we want to go nice and slow and there's ways to do that. Yeah. Right. And that's something I talk a lot about in the work I do with people, but, but 30 minutes a day of movement. Mm-hmm. If that isn't accessible for whatever reason, and this, oh, let me back up over and above what you do at work. Right. Yeah. Right. Other than the ooh, craziness at work for the yes. 12 hours, I mean, something it, else. It could, be a, it, it could be being really diligent about getting your 15 minute break. Yeah. And like going for a 15 minute. I used to do that um, 
when I worked at community mental health, I would go for a walk mm. just around the building. Yeah. And it, it was like a, like seriously two minute walk. Yeah. But it was just like enough to get me moving. Yeah. Right. Between clients. Right. Or like, you know, I'm thinking of nurses like at a hospital, for example, like, Let's say you have a really stressful patient, and there's some tools I can share too to shake that off. Yeah. The thing you could do is like take an extra lap around the nursing station, yeah. right? Because right. it's usually like a little circle, right? The unit's like a circle, so take a little lap. And everyone's if anyone's like, "What the hell are you doing?" Oh, sorry. <laughs> what okay. what the heck are you doing? <laughs> you can you can be like, oh. I'm taking care of myself. You should join me. Come on and walk with me. <laughs> or you could like, you know, if you have the ability to like park in a different location or something. And you just know, walk a like, little farther to and from work. Yeah. Right? right? Like a 15 minute walk in, a 15 minute walk out. Bam, there's your half hour. Yeah. Implement it somehow that works for you. You're probably already doing it in some fashion. You could just modify it a little bit. Right. And just be really intentional about it so that that walk mm -hmm. into work isn't like, oh my God, I'm late, I'm late. Because then there you go. Like, right. right. Yeah. You're just starting the fight or flight. You're starting the fight or flight. Early. 15 minutes early. And it's like, <laughs> don't, don't get me wrong. I do it. Like, I'm like, you know, so uh, I tend to run late sometimes. So I've, I've worked on that so that I'm not starting my day already depleted. <laughs> I actually, there was one travel assignment I had where I had a commute of about an hour um, oh. and I, I was dreading it. I was like, oh, this is going to be the worst because I normally, I, all my other travel assignments, I'd be like, I want to be right next to the hospital or, you know, just 20 minutes is my max. But I really ended up really liking that time because it was time yeah. that I could slow down I, yeah, I had to, you know, be in traffic a lot of the time. So I would listen to podcasts. I would just, you know, drink my coffee. And I was like, this is time that I did. I never really thought to put into my day, but I actually was really grateful that I had that at the end. Yeah. That's such an important, it's, it's a way to have separation between work and home, right? It kind of, yeah. kind yeah. of creates that boundary, which is another important thing, right? It's not necessarily yeah. going to, um, complete the stress response unless you added in some breathing. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but, but yes, but yeah, I mean, just even that separation, that, that car drive home, instead of listening to like, excuse me, something that amps you up, mm -hmm. it's like, oh, listening to a podcast that's more calming, listening to, to you know, listening mm -hmm. to this podcast, um, yeah. <laughs> or if that's too close to work, <laughs> you know, there's, right. find one that's calming, probably not the murder mystery ones. Like what's the murder one everyone likes? All my clients are like, I have so much my anxiety. Yeah. Yeah. And all my clients are like, oh, I have so much anxiety. And I'm like, maybe you should stop listening to that dang murder podcast. So much. <laughs> Sometimes that is the th cathartic outlet for people. And it you might know? just be, though. It might just be. I'm just joking. But yeah, yeah. But, you know, just being intentional about that time. Yeah. And, and I guess you raise a good point, right? Like what what refreshes us is unique to all of us. Yeah. Yeah. Right. My journaling activity this morning, I do a little journaling thing. Um, she had us list out all the things we do in a day and circle the things that are draining mm. in one color and then circle the things that are uplifting in another color. 
right? It's a nice exercise. And it, it was a nice exercise. And I, I was looking at it and, and it, it gets you to pay attention to like, what do I do that actually uplifts me? And I, you know, I'm a therapist and I, I walk what I talk. But so, so I'm pretty balanced in that way. But there are some things like, you know, like sometimes I'll watch TV yeah. and it's like, oh, totally drains me. Not helpful at all. Mm-hmm. Or I'll scroll on Facebook. Scrolling on Facebook drains me. It does not give me energy. It's like you're yeah. searching for something, probably connection, and you're not so finding true. it, right? Like, yeah. 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 So just being intentional with that downtime. Mm-hmm. But yeah. So back to completing the stress response, if that's okay. Mm-hmm. So another way is the breath. And again, these aren't mm-hmm. profound. It's not like, oh, wow, I never thought of that. Um, but paying attention to your breath. And there's lots and lots of breathing techniques. And so I don't know that, you know, this is the perfect place to unpack that because it's, there's tons and tons. I'll share some meditative Mm. movements later if, when we get into actual things to try. Mm. Um, But trying breath work that calms you down, not the, (laughs) (sighs) yeah, not the size, right? (laughs) Mm. (laughs) Nice, even breathing. Yeah. Yeah. So then the rest are easy. Um, that is very cathartic. A sometimes. big cry. I I'm and just getting energy out that you know just makes so much sense too. Like it's just so much pent up uh-huh. stuff, and you're like, oh, right, get it all out. That makes sense. It's a, it's exactly what it does. Is it gets it all out. Mm-hmm. Um, doing something creative. So believe it or not, like spending that energy on like you know for me that's writing mm-hmm. or seriously like. I have a adult coloring book with like some, I bought some fun markers. Yeah. So then it's like extra fun that are like an actual art pack marker. Oh, cool. um, so then it's like extra fun, but like just doing creative things like that mm-hmm. or, you know, moms, like if your kid has a birthday party coming up and you like to make a cake, like, yeah. I don't know, do some cool cake decorating stuff. If, if you, if you have time, like I get it. Yeah. Being a mom is a lot of work. So <laughs> <laughs> I will find, I feel like people with, with, other hobbies outside of nursing I feel like they're just generally their cup is a little more filled I think it's totally true we're not just meant to like wake up yeah. and die yeah like- <laughs> right I, I remember you know just thinking back from my own like experience when I had less hobbies and all I was doing was going to and from work. That's when it's the most draining. Like in COVID, when nobody could do anything except for, yeah. you know, maybe occasionally go, go on walks. And even in the beginning of COVID, we were like, is this okay? You know, like. Are we you, allowed to go outside? Yeah, right. Uh, so, and everybody was, everybody, all that we were doing was going to work and coming home and doing nothing, being on the couch, watching well, TV and then going back. It was miserable. Well, and that's why, like. And not just with nurses, but like there's the, the you know, this, the next epidemic or pandemic is the mental health problem that all that created. Yeah. You know, it was necessary. I'm not saying we shouldn't have stayed home. Yeah. Um, it's just but a it's like byproduct. Now there's, it's a byproduct of what we needed to do at the time. Yeah. You know, right. You know, just like the, the burnout or traumatic stress, um, you know, experiences that nurses are facing right now, mm-hmm. it's no, it's not your fault. It's just what you had to do at the time to survive. Right. COVID. Right. You know? And so now it's time to say like, okay, 
I'm going to pull back and learn some boundaries. I'm going to use some skills because there's a little, what I'm hearing from the nurses I talk to, because I kind of plug in every once in a while since I'm a social worker, I want to make sure that I'm actually like helping with the problem that's going on now. Yeah. Um, what I'm hearing is there's a little more breathing room mm -hmm. um, than there was a year and a half yeah. ago. <laughs> yeah, I would say that. Yeah. There's a little, le I mean, there's less COVID in the ICU, there's less COVID patients. Yeah. I think that acute care is still, yeah. you know, they still are, yeah. are getting, you know, I can't speak to that anymore, but you know, there's definitely, yeah, things are kind of more trying to get back into a new normal, like a new normal routine. Yep. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And why not create the new normal with like tools that are going to help you if you want to stay a nurse, stay a nurse. And it doesn't mean stay a nurse in your current environment if it's toxic. I'll die on that mm -hmm. hill too, Maggie, like right there with you. <laughs> like, I, I left that community mental health agency. I was like, oh, no, I'm out of here. Like, absolutely yeah. not. This yeah. is toxic. Yeah. You know. Um, so, you know, but but if, you know, if people are wanting to stay in nursing, it's like, hey, let's let's find a way. You know, no one teaches nurses how to do this stuff. Mm-hmm. But well, you're giving and giving and giving. And one thing you that know? you had in your presentation that was made a good point is we work so hard to get into this profession. I mean, you, you do. And, you know, you're so anticipatory of being in the profession and you're excited. And, and then, you know, you get here and there's so much, you know, extra things that you have to, you know, put on and, and the, you know, so it's just like, why don't we better and, you know, better equip ourselves so that all of this isn't for nothing, you know? Yeah, it's totally true. It's totally true. It, it's like, why not, you know, find some things that that might help you be able to stay in this career that you love, that you chose yeah. for a reason, you know, and that you did work really hard to get. I watched my sister in nursing school. This is her second career okay. nursing is. I watched her. Yeah. It was crazy. Yeah. <laughs> I have a client who just dropped out of nursing school after A&P. She's like, oh yeah, no. <laughs> She's like, I'm, I'm good. That was too much. Yeah. She's like, I'm good. I'm going to do something yeah. else. I'm going to make soap and sell crystals. Like, whatever. <laughs> that sounds amazing too. But yeah, no, yeah. it is. It's yeah. so... Like the school is so, you know, it's difficult. It's arduous. And, you know, you have the 12 hour clinicals. You're getting up at four in the morning, five in the morning, like going to different hospitals in the area to do your clinicals. And then you're studying and you, there's, there's yeah. just so, yeah, there's so much. And then you get in and then, you know, you want a profession that's going to help you stay. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So, all right. So I'm going to tell movement. you one more. Breathing. Oh, okay. Movement, breathing. Movement, breathing, creativity, mm -hmm. a good hard cry. <laughs> yes. Good hard cry. A decent hug. Now I'm not just talking about the one arm crap, you know. I'm talking about like full on leaning into each other. Not one person leaning on the other, but both pressing into each other, like, you know, the big there. hard hug. Breathe together. Like my um my most recent partner, he always would tease me because I call it a decent hug. And he's like, and I was like, 
hey, I need a hug. He's like, is it a decent hug? Yes, it's always a decent <laughs> right. hug. Like, you should know. Like, get over here. <laughs> yeah. like, I only do decent <laughs> hugs. That's, I mean, I mean yeah. you know, with him and other loved ones. But yeah, but like a decent yeah. hug, you know, Those like the best. really makes a difference. So yeah, and apparently so is a kiss. But now they don't. I mean, not to get graphic or anything, but they don't say, like, is it with tongue or not with tongue? But it has to be, like, held for, like, six okay. seconds. So I don't, know what, I don't know what that means for you. You can you can experiment on yeah. your own. But there's something, you know, you're, like, regulating your <laughs> regulating your emotions with some... You're yeah, you're co-regulating. Yeah, you're co-regulating. <laughs> yeah, you're yeah. co-regulating. And that's the other thing, a conversation with a supportive mm. loved one especially someone who is able to hold a calmer yeah. space. Yeah. Because of those mirror neurons, that can be really hard to do with a fellow nurse mm. that works in the same place because you're just both going to do this. Yeah. And, and rightfully so, like no judgment on that. Like I do that with my social work friends when we talk about insurance companies. It's like, <laughs> and then they did this. And then can you believe? And, um, yeah. you know, like, and so that, that just does this and doesn't like, right. Relax you. Let's yeah. release that right. stress response. Sometimes right? it's a listening conversation, yeah, so not a <laughs> egging you on conversation. Uh-huh. <laughs> not an egging you on conversation. And you know, you, you raise a good point. One of the things that I found really helpful for people who, who have someone to listen, a supported loved one, sometimes like expressing mm. what we need, like, Hey, you know what? I had a really rough day. Are you in a good headspace to, to just listen and be supportive and not tell, yeah. not give me advice? Like, are you in a place yeah. to be able to do that? And if they're like, no, then for me, I would call my mom, um, when she was still around, yeah. like, you know, but like, it's, it's that to make sure those needs are being met. So it's not just one more, like, you know, you're trying to share with someone and they're like, why don't you just do this? And you're like, great. Now no one understands. Yeah. Right. So instead of doing that, you can like yeah, ask sure. for what Communication. you need. Right? It's just understanding what yeah. you, what you need and letting people know it's okay to let other people know. It's what totally you true. It's totally true. Okay. So those are the <laughs> things to help complete the fight or flight response. Um, okay. Then <laughs> like that we need to do every day, like seriously every day. Yeah. And, and yeah. get creative with it. Like, you know, whatever. But then it, once we've done that, it can help if we know how to calm our bodies. Like mm. when we get activated or when we feel shut down. Right. Mm-hmm. And so these are some of those tools you talked about, right? The shutdown yeah. response, when we're in the shutdown response, because that is a response of immobilization, to, to protect ourselves, right? Mm-hmm. We freeze to protect ourselves. Right. Any kind of movement at all, even visualizing movement will help us. Mm. So when you get home from work and you're collapsed on the couch and you're like, yeah, right, I'm going for a walk. First of all, if you have a dog, even just take, a, take them around the block, that'd be great. Yeah. But if you don't, yeah. even visualizing movement or looking out your window, like look out your window, breathe in the trees or whatever's there, mm. um, or visualize going for a walk. That can be enough to start to get you unstuck. Okay. You know, and then hopefully you can start moving, yeah. right? 
That's um, a really great. I I totally in more ways than one. I feel like I I freeze in you know situations, and that's a really great thing to think about. Like just moving <laughs> can kind of get you out of that frozen frozen space. Just yeah, walking yeah. around a little bit, getting up. It's totally true. And if you can't get yourself to get up, then visualize movement. One of the things mm-hmm. that I would do mm-hmm. when I worked in that community health, uh, community mental health agency with all those clients is um, there was a downstairs waiting room just 20 feet from my office, but there was an upstairs waiting room. And so I asked all my clients to wait in the upstairs waiting room um, because then I had to walk up the stairs to go get them and come back down. Hmm. Just a little, little thing in the middle. Just a little thing in the middle. You know, mm-hmm. it was just enough movement. The other time that nurses move all day is you have to wash your hands between yeah. patients, right? Mm-hmm. I, I think you do. I'm assuming. Yeah. I mean, you know, yeah. so what I would do is I would go to the bathroom between clients because, you know, when you're a therapist, you can't have to go. You can't go to the bathroom in the middle. Like, you, I mean, just yeah. like a nurse, like if you're doing a procedure, you're not like, hold on, you got to go to the bathroom. <laughs> like, yeah. They're not going to wait for nurse Maggie. They're going to be like, yeah. right. hold it. <laughs> so I would often go to the bathroom between patients. Mm-hmm. And I, as I washed my hands, that's movement, but I would be intentional about it. Mm-hmm. Like I was washing off the stress of the last client and cleansing myself of whatever I took on from mm-hmm. them. And just that, it's like, that's not any extra time. That's not just being time. intentional with your time. Yeah, it's not any extra time. And and yeah. time being the thing I hear nurses don't have a lot of. So it's like, mm-hmm. you know, those are a couple of things you can do that, like that extra lap around. The, I mean, not if someone's coding, right? Like, <laughs> like yeah, like there, not gonna take a walk. T- there's times <laughs> when you're not going to take a little extra walk around the nurse's station. Like, you yeah. know, obviously. Um, but, but like for those times, like it, it'll take you 15 extra seconds to walk around at least, at least in the ICU when I've been in ICUs, um, and seen what that yeah. looks like. Right. I mean, like when I've had family in the ICU, <laughs> um, yeah. you know, I think that there's plenty of there's, we have no time, right. But at the same time, I think there are pockets where we could be more intentional about the time that we have. Right. And I think the thing that's important to remember is that when we don't take those breaks, we're less focused. We're way mm-hmm. less focused. And we're, yeah. and so then we're not being as effective. Yeah. And so we actually, it takes us longer to do things. And there is mm-hmm. so much data on that. Yeah. But like, it, oh my gosh, it's so true. It, it's so true. Just even that little break, you know, I, st- so, uh, and this is going to be probably annoying to nurses, but like, so I'm, private practice, right? And because of that burnout situation I was in with the back-to-back 45-minute clients like the whole week, I was like, no way. I always have 15 minutes between every client. So I can finish my note, I can go to the bathroom, and I can go for a walk around the block. And I will tell you, I notice a difference in the client sessions where I go for my walk and the Mm -hmm. ones that I don't. It's like a three-minute walk. Yeah. But you just reset. I'm, yeah, I'm so much more present. I'm able to be there. It feels like I shook off whatever was there. I still do my hand washing when mm-hmm. I go to the bathroom. 
Mm-hmm. So I think some of it too is shifting the mindset that like, and this is something I've worked on like my entire life. I've always been, oh, I don't have time. I don't have time. I don't have time. Yeah. But I think what what we realize is when we do find time or make time to do these things, then we're actually more productive and effective. So there's less wasted time in everything we're doing. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's so true. I'm just thinking about, all, you know, if I ever have like a free moment at work, I'll like just scroll on my phone or something. You know, and it's like, yeah. why am I using that time to scroll on my phone when I could just use it to like sit and breathe yeah. or talk to another nurse about how their, you know, life is going or, you know, making connection with somebody else or going on a walk. Connection. Like, there's, you know, yeah. I, it's wasted time. It's wasted time. I even like sometimes if I have a client session go over because I'm a trauma therapist, that happens a lot mm-hmm. actually. Um, it's just part of the part of the gig. You're not gonna be like, oh shoot, we're in the middle of yeah, stop crying right now. We're done. Sorry, your hours <laughs> yeah. up. Like right. you know, like sometimes sessions go over, and that's yeah. just part of the deal, right? Like, and so like sometimes I'll have less time. Well, there's a hallway close to my mm-hmm. office, so I'll just walk up a flight of stairs and walk back down. Yeah, that's perfect. Like, just to get some kind of movement. So these can be small yeah. things to get that movement in, both to complete the fight or flight response a little bit, but then also to to come out of that shutdown yeah. state, right? Yeah. Okay, so here's the big one. Okay. People love to know skills and tools mm-hmm. for how to deal with when they're mm-hmm. stressed. So that's the thing that, like I've got a lot of like little tools in my toolbox and um, the thing with this, and I'll say this like to preface them is because the fight or flight response. Okay. The sympathetic nervous system response, Mm -hmm. right? Because that is mobilization to protect. Mm -hmm. We need movement with breath Mm -hmm. to, to get us back to that neutral state, the um, ventral vagal state of flow or where we feel safe enough to connect and rest and digest. Right. So movement with breath, like fluid movement with breath rather than the scattered movement of trying to fight or flee. Yeah. Right. Okay. And so, so these are things we can practice together. Are you up for it? Absolutely. Let's do it. Okay. 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 So here we go. So my all-time favorite, and this is, I think it's my favorite because clients tend to love it. Um, And I mean, you might do this maybe not sitting there with your client, or you could, I don't know, it just depends, or your patient, you call them patients, Mm -hmm. sorry. Um, But you put your hands together in front of your heart, or sternum, sorry, nurses who are listening, in front of your sternum. (laughs) And then then as, I know, in front of your heart, but not on the left side, (laughs) you know, so yeah. Your right, xiphoid yeah. process. All right. So your xiphoid process. <laughs> yeah. A little low, yeah. but yes. Okay. <laughs> All right. So as you inhale, reach your arms up overhead. And as you exhale, bring your arms down and around and back by your sides, back to center. Inhale, reach your arms up overhead. Exhale, bring your arms down around by your sides and back to center. Nurses listening, I hope you're doing this too. 
Inhale, reach your arms all the way up overhead. Exhale, release, bring your arms back, down and around and back to center. And then you can keep going as you like, or you can just stop and notice your breath, or you can rest your hands in your lap. Yeah. Yeah, how was that? It feels great. It feels great to just take that moment and, you know, give it back to yourself. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a way like, you know, let's say after that patient that you talked about, that was just in a tough headspace, mm-hmm. taking, that took like what, a minute? Less two than at that. most. Oh, that was like 20 seconds. Less than that. Takes yeah. no time at all. Taking that time to just do that. Something like that is so easy, like a 20 second thing like that. It's so easy to implement in large groups like huddle or like you know I was gonna say you could totally do that in your huddle yeah that's an easy one it comes from yoga calm by the way I should probably cite my source because I didn't make that up um (laughs) (laughs) but it's a it's a really good one my clients love it that tends to be a crowd favorite Mm -hmm. because it's so simple and it's quick there's not a lot to remember yeah but it's just fluid movement with breath Mm -hmm. right Yeah. And then it keeps you from carrying that extra stress because I don't know about you, but like, so when I notice like a really stressful session or like, oh, a big one for me is I have to, if I have to like call child protection or write an M1 hold, Mm. those things tend to be really intense for me. In the moment when I'm doing it, I feel completely calm. Yeah. It's after that the stuff floods, right? And so I suspect it's similar with nurses that your training kicks in in the moment. But then as soon as you walk away, you're like, whoosh, like all that adrenaline is right there. It really, it really does. That's, that's totally, you're, it's, you compartmentalize in order to get the job done, Totally, you know, and then, and then you are the only one left to process all of that later. And a lot of us just don't, you know. It yeah. just takes it. Yeah. It takes real intention to, to yeah, release that it energy does. and and get that get that out. Because it it'll does. come out later, some somewhere. <laughs> it's gonna come out later, whether it's in your physical body, like illness yeah. or whatever, anger, yeah, like resentment, projection on somebody else, um, projection on somebody else. Yeah, it's totally mm-hmm. true. Okay, you ready for yeah. another one? This one's, this one, I don't know that this is necessarily like movement with breath so much, but I heard you say shake it off. And this one is, um, I wasn't going to share this one, but I'm like, oh yeah, I should totally share the calmness mudra. So this is another thing from yoga. Um, now my screen isn't going to be wide enough to see. So I'm going to lift my hands up into like cactus or moose or field goal okay. position. Okay. And then I go like this and then you shake your hands like shaky jazz <laughs> hands, right? And you're supposed to do this for like five minutes. Sorry, I have beads on, so they're like <laughs> rattling. Um, you're supposed to do this like five minutes. I can do about 20 seconds, and it feels like my hands feel like not part of my body anymore. <laughs> I don't know what that's about. But if you do this, and then like it shakes off the adrenaline, and then what I like to do, and this is the hippy-dippy me, I like to like shake my hands, and then like I do like a little aura cleanse. You can totally laugh at me, but then you rub your hands in front of each other. Like run them, rub them against each other and then cover your eyes 
with your hands. If you have glasses, take them off. I'm not going to. Breathe in. As you breathe out, wipe the stress off your body all the way down to your feet and shake it see, off. Yeah, that could be. That's like, you know, the gazelle. <laughs> Just tried to play dead and now they're shaking, shaking everything it's off. Totally. It's just, I know, right? I find that yeah. one so helpful if things got really mm. intense. So that's one that I really like. Um, that That's like a favorite. Um, and then I'll share maybe one more that's really important for nurses right now, just with, you know, I know there's a lot of like um, violence going on towards nurses and, and um, doctors. Um, patients, family mm. and patients. It sounds like a lot of it's COVID related, but not all of it. And so like, as a precursor to this one, one of the things that's important to get yourself to be back mm. in that ventral vagal state of like rest and digest, feel mm. safe enough to connect is to identify cues of safety. So this is why the breath works because one cue of safety is our own breath. If we're breathing like this, <sighs> then, you know, okay. we're not, um, that tells mm -hmm. our body we're stressed. That doesn't say it's safe enough to, safe enough to, right. Mm -hmm. And so nice fluid breath yeah. with movement, that volcano breathing we did earlier, that kind of stuff. That's why that works. Right. Another cue of safety is like a, a, a safe enough coworker, like even just like winking at each other or like nudging, bumping each other's shoulder or, I think back for a while with COVID, it was elbow. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Y'all nurses may have just been like, whatever, we're exposed anyway. Who cares? I'm not sure what went on there. Yeah. But, you know, like just even sometimes like bumping, like just that cue of yeah. safety. Like we're in this together. I'm not alone. There's another human. Yeah. I used to, well, we still wear masks in the hospital, so you can't smile at people. Right. So like it just like blinking both of your eyes. I don't know. I, I don't know if that. I just do this, if I just do it or other people, but I feel like that's a thing mm -hmm. where <laughs> you like, you know, kind of tightly blink your eyes at somebody else. Like I see you. So a smile actually does too, but the eye blink thing probably would work. And I'm going to tell you why. Um, think about the ventral vagal response, right? It's the front side mm -hmm. of the vagus nerve and it connects up through the heart through the muscles of the face, by the side of the mouth, and especially by the side of the eyes, as well as into the middle ear, okay? Mm. So the ventral vagal response, but when we smile, we smile, including with the, like a true smile, yeah. you're using the side of your eyes, right? Your crow's feet, if you're my yeah. age. Um, <laughs> but, but, you know, seriously though, so, so like I bet that that blinking might be, like that might even do yeah. it. You know? I mean, it sort of makes me feel I, like a little, you know, just. Well, it, first of all, it's connection. Yeah. But then also like, like the physical act of it, I bet even does something for yeah. you too. Yeah. Well, good. I love it, Maggie. <laughs> that's fantastic. Doing something I didn't even know. That's fantastic. Yeah, that's so great. You know, our bodies are so wise. Like yeah. we know so much. Yeah. More than we give ourselves oh, credit for, sure. for, right? Yeah, we're doing things all the time that we okay. don't know that we're doing. We're doing that, right, that mm -hmm. we don't know that we're doing mm -hmm. that would really help us. All right, so I got one more that is huddle okay. worthy or short okay. break worthy. Okay, and this is getting back to the cues of safety. 
when we use the word, we're going to use the words, I am safe. And why this is important is you are safe. Um, I'll never forget this. And this, I don't know if, I think this might be important to share. Um, when I was at that community mental health center, I um, attended a workshop on burnout mm. and compassion fatigue um, to help myself. Um, like 20, this was like 20 years ago. Mm. Uh, well, not quite 20, 15, whatever. But anyway, it doesn't matter. Um, and it was basically yeah. a room full of burned out clinicians, yeah. right? Burned out um, mental health clinicians, sorry, like myself. And um, the speaker was like, okay, raise your hand mm. if, you think you're, if you think you're safe, if you think you're 100% safe. One person no. raised their hand. <laughs> yeah. Right? Because our nervous systems were like chronic fight or flight response. Yeah. Because we, and when you're in your chronic fight or flight response, you're always waiting for the other shoe to drop. You're like, well, I mean, at any minute, someone could come in and hurt mm -hmm. us. And, and he was like, no, in this moment, this moment, this moment, this moment, are you safe? Well, yeah, because nothing's happening right now. <laughs> Here's a little tip. Yeah. The only moments that you're not safe in are ones that you don't usually have awareness that you're not safe yeah. in. You're safe right now. Right. You're probably you know? never in situation, but probability-wise, you're never in situations where you're not safe. Most of the time, you, your body is safe. Yeah. Yeah. Or at least able to. Not, yeah, most of the time you are. I mean, certainly yeah, if you're yeah, a domestic yeah. violence survivor or mm -hmm. you know being abused, there's certainly that. But like for the average person, like most of the time, yeah. it's that we're afraid of something happening, right? And that fear goes up right. when we're chronically in our fight or flight response, right? So these words, I am safe, are really important to remind us that mm -hmm. in this moment, mm -hmm. we are I'm safe. I'm sure that's really good to like reaffirm you know? when you're just in a state of anxiety or, you know, if you're like in the morning, if you're coming in and you're anticipating how the day is going to be and you're just in your own head. So there's actually these meditative movements. I'm going to share a meditative movement with those words. Uh, meditative movements, I need to say, it was developed by Ellie Peterson in Chanhassen, Minnesota. It's been studied at the University of Minnesota um, and shown to decrease anxiety, depression, and improve emotional well-being. Um, so these are really awesome. The extra cool thing about this, this is so cool. Um, there's a woman, I think her last name is Cortez. I think it's Mel Cortez. Um, she was doing these like um, 48 hour deployments into mm -hmm. hospitals back during like the height of COVID and would go awesome. in and teach nurses this kind of stuff to do at the bedside. Um, so this has been used at the bedside. Um, I actually found Ellie through a, a chat I was having with, with Mel, um, <laughs> like, two years ago now, but anyway, um, <laughs> so I forgot her name. Um, we're on LinkedIn, whatever, but, uh, so I don't know her that well. So, but, but yeah, so they've been, yeah. you know, bringing this in cool. and nurses were finding it really helpful. So this is a favorite I like to share. All right. So when we do these meditative movements, we're going to do the movement four times. Then we're going to do the movement with the breath four times. And we're always going to be doing the movement on the exhale. And then we'll do the movement with the breath with the affirmation at the same time. Now, for this particular meditative movement, we're actually going to be holding the movement um, while we say the affirmation four times instead of moving while we're doing it. So it's, this one's a little different than if you've done other meditative movements with me before. So 
All right. So you're welcome to place one hand on your heart. Doesn't matter which one because we're going to switch. And then you can take your other hand either on the front of your belly or on your low back. Either way, it, it doesn't matter. And then go ahead and switch your hands. And then go ahead and switch again. And switch one more time. All right. This time, take a full breath in. As you exhale, switch your hands. Take a full breath in, switch your hands. Actually, I did that wrong. Inhale, switch your hands. Exhale, hold. Yeah, hold. Inhale, switch your hands. Exhale, hold. And inhale, switch your hands. Exhale, hold. All right. Inhale, switch your hands. And repeat after me out, or say with me out loud, I am safe. Say it out loud with me. I am safe. I am safe. Two more times. I am safe. Last time. I am safe. Inhale, switch your hands. As you exhale, I am safe. I am safe. I am safe. I am safe. Inhale, switch your hands. We'll do one more each side. As you exhale, I am safe. I am safe. I am safe. I am safe. Inhale, switch your hands one more time. Exhale, I am safe. I am safe. I am safe. I am safe. Release your hands, place them in your lap. You're welcome to just notice your breath, notice how you feel. Yeah. I can see how the repetition like gets you into that space eventually. Like the, you know, it does. Like I, at yeah. first you're just saying it and then yeah. you kind of become more intentional with it after, you know, going like three, yeah. four rounds. Exactly. It totally, it's, it's a lovely practice. It's really helpful. And something you can do in a huddle or something you can do quick between client uh, between patients and that one takes like a little long mm -hmm. you know breathing for sure but not that much longer yeah you know especially when you're doing it by yourself yeah right like you know it, yeah. you know so 
So that's a really good one. Um, I was going to show you, I decided uh, I'd show you one more quick, easy thing that takes like 20 seconds. So I take my glasses off, <laughs> so I'm only going to be able to marginally see, so don't have me read anything. Um, but for this okay. one, you can place uh, your right hand on your heart. And then, so well, the way that I used to do this actually was right hand on your heart, left hand on your belly, notice your breath, right? So that is a way to calm your body. There's actually an acupressure point. Um, I think it's the lung meridian mm -hmm. is up here. So it actually calms the body. But another way that actually will pull you into the ventral vagal state is if you put one hand on the side of your face. So one hand on your heart, one hand on the side of your face, and just notice your breath. And just let your breath settle. Yeah, it feels good. Feel? I don't know why that feels so good. To put your hand on your face, and just right. So, so actually, um, remember how I was talking about the ventral mm -hmm. vagal system? Um, the vagus nerve comes yeah. in through the heart, and then the muscles yeah. of the face. You're basically connecting the ventral vagal yeah. system together. Like you're drawing mm -hmm. a line, and you're making yeah, you're drawing in to connect with that. So. Um, that one's a quick and easy one. Like that took yeah. less than yeah. 10 seconds to feel And sometimes anything. I feel like so, that could totally be implemented in huddle. Things like that that take, I mean, like no time at all yeah. to to just reset for the shift. Or, or even between your patients. That one's so short and quick. I don't know. I, I can't help but wonder. Again, not mm -hmm. if someone's coding, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But downtime. I mean, we definitely do have downtime in, in yeah. little short spurts, you know, whenever they are. It's just about being intentional about that downtime. What are you yeah. doing? And, and to make sure that you're not shaming yourself for those times when you do flip on your phone. You know, yeah. it's just a matter of like, Sometimes that's okay too, you know, like no need to shame yourself. Like, oh, I should have been using that time doing one of Jen's skills. Um, you know, like that, that's kind of counterproductive to what we're talking about today, right? <laughs> right. Like hold yourself with generosity. Yes. Yeah. Like this is going to be a practice to implement some of these things, yeah. you know? And, and what I recommend for implementing, and this is actually, so when I talk about building resilience, um, there's two other pieces I talk about, and I don't know that we're going to get to those today, but but one is um, addressing the underlying stressors, right? And that has to do with some of the stuff we talked about with the boundaries, mm -hmm. like, you know, setting boundaries, focusing on things that we can control and doing intentional problem solving with that, that yeah. kind of stuff, right? Mm -hmm. and, and setting boundaries. And then there's ways to deal with things that are outside of our control. And we can talk about that if we, if we want to. But one of the things I want to say bef if we do decide to go there um, is that you know, very few of us were ever taught how to build a habit. Mm, yeah, you have Yet to. Yeah, we all, yeah. You just be, you know, you have to work on building a habit. You have to be intentional about building a habit instead of, yeah. you know, yeah. And yet we feel so much shame when we can't mm. or don't. <laughs> yeah. You know, and it's like, oh, you know what? No one ever taught us. No one ever taught us that. So I like to, like, 
And I, this I, I won't have time to unpack today, but one of the things I like to talk about are, um, you know, Gretchen Rubin does the four tendencies. So it talks about how you, re, like how you motivate yourself essentially based on if you respond well to internal or external expectations. Mm. And, you know, so some people need accountability. Some people need external accountability. Some people just really need to know the reason why and they'll be motivated. Mm. Some people, I'm in this group, I'm one of the upholders where we can pretty much just get ourselves to do stuff. It's pretty awesome. <laughs> uh, and then there's a group who struggles with all of that. And so there's a special way that they have to go about it. But so her stuff, the four tendencies um, is pretty great. Um, and I, I teach those, but then also um, James Clear's stuff. Um, I don't know if you've read Atomic Habits. I've, I've definitely heard of the book. Yeah. Yeah. James Clear is, it's just brilliant because he takes these four laws of behavior change that all of us therapist types know about, but he breaks them down to make so much sense. Right. Yeah. And, you know, so that we're cueing the behavior, we're making it obvious, mm. we're making it attractive. So we actually want to do it, you know, which is hard because phones are very attractive. Yeah. Um, so we have to make the thing more attractive. Right. right? Um, and then, you know, we want to make it uh, uh, enjoyable in some way, like we like it. And then we want to make it satisfying. Yeah. Right. Or easy. Sorry, we want to make it easy and then satisfying. Um but the thing is, is like with our phones being so attractive, if we're going to do these things, first of all, we have to have an obvious cue. Mm -hmm. So for me, after I'm done with a client, that's when I go, yeah. I wash my hands and I go for yeah. a walk, right? Or maybe it's after your third, I mean, things aren't as quite as predictable for nurses. So, you know, maybe it's your first, maybe your first downtime, you're going to do, I am safe mm -hmm. or maybe that kind of stuff is for the huddle or maybe at the beginning of all your downtime, like something to cue that that's yeah. when you're going to do okay. it. You yeah. Know? I'm sure that would definitely put it and into then, practice more if you were intentional about, okay, like how am I, how am I actually, what are these steps that I'm, how, when am I going to yeah, do Yeah. When am I going to do this? And like, make it be something that's like, you know, so like if I added a new habit of that journaling program I was talking about, so mm -hmm. I added it to after I um, shower and get dressed, I make my breakfast and then I sit and do the journaling thing. Like it, there's like a, it's, it's, it calls, it's called habit, habit stacking. So you stack it with another mm. habit, right? Okay. So there's tricks like that in that book. And I also yeah. teach about them in my, in my stuff that I offer, but um, just to think about that and be intentional. The other thing is to start yeah. small. Um. Mm -hmm. anyone who's ever been at the gym in January and then been at the gym in March knows that starting too big doesn't work. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> you see all the people from New Year's Eve resolutions kind of trickle out by the end. <laughs> you do. I'm a former gym, gym yeah. rat. Like seriously, like I was a bodybuilder. I was at the gym all the time and you would just watch and they would come in and try and do the same workouts that me and the other gym rats were doing. And then like, they'd be gone in a couple of weeks, not because they're bad people. Like it's not a moral judgment. It's just that like, you have to start slow and build up. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Sure. Like first you're building the habit, then you're building. So just things like that to think of. Yeah. Um, little tiny changes. Yeah. Little tiny changes for when, when nurses are going out and implementing these things. Cause otherwise, if you don't do it that way, it's just going to be one more thing you have to do. Yeah. And right. you all have so much to do. Yeah. 
And then you won't do any of it. So, and then you won't do any of it, you know? Yeah. So if you can remember, like, I'm going to feel better when I do this and I'm going to do it here. Mm -hmm. And then just remind yourself, this is going to help you feel better. Yeah. And then you can scroll social media all you want. No, <laughs> right. One one habit change at a time. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Well, yeah. where where can we find you? Or I know that you do do you know like strategic calls and things for people that are looking to yeah. you know build resilience in their hospital. So, what kind of resources can people get? You know, links and things from where can people find you? So my website is Pathways universitymn.com, MN okay. for Minnesota. Um, and on there, you can book a strategy call. But I'm also, so Maggie, I'm really excited. I'm going to do like a, um, like hopefully going to do a, a workshop here coming up, um, like a little mini workshop um, just on some of this stuff. And then for people who find benefit from that and want to work with me more, I'm actually going to beta launch a new version of my um my building resilience and nursing program that I have. Um, I'm, I'm kind of excited to do like kind of tweak it a little bit after yeah. some of my experiences with nurses more recently. And so, um, for people who want to be on a, on the beta launch, um, just keep, you know, keep looking at my website. Um, I also have a Facebook group you can join for women awesome. in healthcare. So it's, yeah, I think it's facebook.com search on women in healthcare support circle. Um, so that's another option. Or you can email me at Jen, so with one N, J-E-N, at pathways to T-O wellness, LLC.com. So, and I'm assuming you'll put that in the show notes. So yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. But I'd well, love for people to reach out and um, be able to, to, you know, help some nurses build resiliency the way that you weren't taught yet. <laughs> you really, I mean, I just want to say like, just you know, in talking to you and reading your presentations and everything, I just want to thank you for putting so much effort and work into bettering the nursing community, you know, like my community, you know, you obviously get it. You, you get what's going on. You've never been a nurse, but you are more in tune with the pathway to burnout than most nurses know how to recognize in themselves. So I really appreciate like all of the research and listening and compassion you have for community. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Of course. Of course, do it in honor of my mom. So she was a nurse for, oh my gosh, over 40 years. So, you know, but, um, but yeah, she was a special lady. (laughs) So yeah. Yeah. So anyway, no doubt. No doubt. Thank you so much for having me, Maggie. It's such an honor to get to share this, get this information out there. And, and even if, people don't ever choose to work with me. I'm just even happy to put these tools in, in their toolkit, right? Yeah, absolutely. It'll go a long way. That brings us to the end of the show. Thanks for tuning in to Nursing Uncharted. To learn more about today's episode, make sure to explore the show notes at AmericanMobile.com slash Nursing Uncharted. And don't forget to subscribe so you never miss a guest. If you're a nurse interested in traveling, visit AmericanMobile.com to explore the largest database of travel nursing jobs in the industry and the amazing benefits that American Mobile has to offer. Also, a special thanks to producer Jonathan Carey, assistant producers Katie Schrauben and Sam McKay, and Aiden Dykes for the music and editing. Until next time, take care of yourself. Take care of yourself.